<laughs> right, ready? Keys away. Yeah. Russell, Russell. No one wants a drink. No, it's just. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Propaganda, the property podcast brought to you by Stanford Sales and Lettings. As always, you've got me, Jack, the manager of our Catford office, and I'm joined by our two directors, Alex, who manages our Hiver Green branch, and James, who runs our Forest Hill branch. Uh, we are a week delayed as there was a, a bit of a sickness going around last week, so we didn't get around to last week's podcast, but uh, a bit of a Christmas special, though we're not in Christmas jumpers or, uh, or anything like that, but... How did the uh, fuss Christmas fair go? I think it was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? But I've been not done one since that. Yeah, no, it was. It, was, um, so, no. it was good. It was busy. It wasn't. It didn't feel as busy as it was before, but the amount of money that we raised was way more than we've done before. So, I think smaller cups was the um, was that the key was the key this year. Yeah, yeah. we were uh, we had like a twelve ounce cup last year, which is it's like a large coffee size, which yeah. I think was way too much wine. So we scaled them down slightly, and um, how much were we charging? Six pound, six quid. Yeah, which also is a pound more than last year. Yeah, which is still, I think, cheap. I've been out a few times. Just Christmas. You get a mince pie as well. You do get mince pie. Yeah, but I've been out a few times to Christmas markets, and I think the cheapest mile I was about nine pound fifty. Oh my god, That's wild! We got one at the weekend. It was awful, and it was six quid. Okay. I mean, I just don't think there's any wine in it. No, oh, everyone loved ours. There was two of us. There's always us and then the other chap, yeah. um, who works for us, and he always hand. You know, they prepare theirs. We buy ours that is pre-made, but it's you know it's, it's carefully sourced, um, and everyone's saying how much ours, how much nicer ours was than them than there. So, does the job pay, pay to do your research in the week a couple of weeks leading up? Yep, we've been doing it for like five six years now, so haven't you? So yeah, we like to take the wine in the run up. Longer than that, we started it year two, I think. We've opened in that office, so it must be eight. Yeah, eight years. I think we must have been doing it. Yeah. Well, we pretty did good the first one. Yeah. Many, many years ago. Could be doing it next year. You do the next. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, I think just to sort of summarise everything, what we're going to talk about today is mainly just sort of 2024 and what's in store, what you guys think. Um, I know it does seem like we're quite often talking about predictions and things like that, but I think giving us the, you know, last week of the year and next year's coming around pretty quickly, it'd be good to sort of get into it. So, yeah, I suppose what what do you guys think's laying in wait for us in, uh, in 2024? I think it'd be much of the same. I don't think, it's yeah, this I think year. it could be easier. Do you like, it, it just, what do you I mean by easier? Easier. I don't know. Sometimes this year it's been a bit stop start. People, you always have that period where it takes vendors a little while to, you know, either accept that the price has been below. We've had the battle this year of some agents suggesting that those prices might have been up since last year. And so therefore it's caused actually a lot of people to go on and not sell. And I just think next year when there's a, there's almost a bit more history behind it, isn't it, of, of how the market's been and what is kind of the current uh, status of, of um, the housing market. I think it should be a little bit more free-flowing, but that's really easier. But I think people might be a little bit more realistic on prices. Um, buyers are a bit more confidence because we are where we are and have been now for 12 months. We'll be you know, going in 18 months by the time we're sort of through into the spring of, uh, of next year. And yeah, I just think time is always a good thing for people, isn't it? Yeah. Time's a good healer. I mean, I, I still think we're going to see much of the same media sort of, um, what are they called? Oh, well, crash, like, crash incoming. I saw it today. Um, price drops expected as mm. um, as people downsizing will put pressure on people to re, re, uh, reevaluate their, um, you know, what they want to sell for. I think if more people are looking to sell, it will mean more movement and more activity is always a good thing. But I was, yeah, I mean, it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Which 
if you get vendors not instructing, then there's a very limited flow of stock, which also limits the number of buyers because actually for most people, well, mainly home movers, but first-time buyers as well, if they're not seeing the sort of property they want to buy, they're then not going to inquire to go and see stuff. So you need the stock to then motivate the buyers to actually start yeah. going through doors. So it's all well and good this kind of, well, you know, if there's a restricted flow of property into the market, then that helps sort of self-regulate. But the same is also true of the other side, where if you don't have enough stock coming to market, then actually the market doesn't move on because there's nothing for people to go and see anyway. So nobody's actually getting in touch with the agents to go and see stuff. Yeah, it's true. No one wants to travel to go and see one house today no. in a month. You want to go and see three or four and have choice. And we've said it before, I mean, as more comes on, more buyers come out and naturally things start to... I think we briefly touched on it in one of the other podcasts as well, is that you were saying, you know, you hate the term procedable. But yeah. There's been a lot more of that, so even towards the back end of this year, of people going and seeing stuff, maybe <laughs> offering and then putting their place on the market. So not just that kind of, you know, ready to go buyer. Um, you might get a bit more of that. Uh, I think one of the things, obviously, interest rates are more stable now. And I know we sort of bang on about interest rates all the time, all the mm. time, all the time. But they certainly feel a lot, a lot more stable. They've not risen since July, is it? September. Or, yeah. September. They went, they went up, didn't they? Kind of back yeah. end of July, they the increased. End of the summer, they did. So then everyone then, kind of just now knows. It's. I think people were just waiting for that, weren't they? But as you say, it's kind of, it's just more stable. And the longer things stay as they are and the less that there is of this doom and gloom, then it, it just always makes it easier for people to accept. So do you think, if you remember in 2019, we had everything with Brexit was like hanging over everybody, wasn't it? And it was Brexit, we're going to leave, we're going to leave, we're going to leave. And 2019 was a very slow year for, you know, mainly that as the sort of main reason and there wasn't much happening. And certainly from what I remember, the last quarter of 2019 was like really, really slow. Yeah, I don't think you had a general election as well in that quarter. Yeah, we did to be fair, didn't we? Sure. But then, so my point was going to be, do you then think that, I don't think this quarter has possibly been as bad as the last quarter of 2019 or slow, should we say. And then you saw in January 2020, when we come back in, like literally from the second or third day, yeah, it was yeah. weird, there it? was listings. You can already feel a bit, I mean, certainly we've got a few things lined up that are coming on for the first week, second week of January. We've ready got, to be go. Fair, yeah, I've had a lot of clients yeah. getting ready for New Year. But there's, I would say the same for the amount of buyers that have been out viewing. A lot of the clients that I've seen recently haven't necessarily been out there ready to purchase, but they put out there wanting to start looking, saying, trying to get our foot in the door and get an understanding so that in January of next year, we can be ready to, you know, yeah, to go. Yeah, we've had a lot of that buyers who've been sort of dipping in and out of the market over the course of the last 12 months saying we're buying next year and then we'll put their properties on next year ready to move and so the, my question really is then do you think like the beginning of january 2020 where we had two and a half months before sort of the first lockdown and everything hit do you think the beginning of next year could be like that potentially i think it'd be different because rates are different now things are different now but i think it will be like I said, I think it's going to be much of the same in terms of the rhetoric around the market will be the same. I think you're still going to get the same media nonsense kind of threatening of the great recessions and all the rest of it. But I think from the actual market point of view, I think it will tick over quite well. And I think it will probably pick up quite quickly based on conversations that I've had with buyers over the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Just there, there seems to be so... The, I don't know how you guys have found it, but this year we very much found it that you kind of get this busy period of maybe three or four weeks and then a quiet period of six weeks and then a busy period of a give or take a month again and then quiet for six weeks. And it's just been very bouncy. I think probably next year the difference will be it'll be more level, probably at a higher 
point in terms of interest if you take an average. So I think we will be busier overall, just on a hopefully more consistent basis. Even kill, yeah. yeah, which would be nice. So do you think what you were saying earlier is like the pricing and things like that? I mean, obviously pricing is always a massively important thing. You know, possibly now more so than ever. Do you think then that if the pricing is you know, more correct with more other agents that things will then sell quicker? I think it would be... Because how long has the thing taken on average to sell this year? In terms of achieving offers? Yeah. Well, it depends where we start. If the price is correct, then actually we've sold a lot of things inside two or four yeah. weeks yeah. of them being on. I think the thing this year is that what people haven't had is the back... You don't necessarily have the history of all oh, these four sold at this price in this current market. It's all been based on, well, you would have got this last year and this is where we feel it would be now. So it's very easy for people to have a completely different view from the next person. We think we get you more, don't worry about that, or we'll think you'd be less. So I think as you just go forward into next year, there's going to be a whole history of 2023 of house prices. That's going to kind of set the market which you start to work from. And it just then becomes harder, or people may just be more aware of that. Um, and when you've got more comparable properties to look at, I mean, what, what more tells you what your house is worth than the house that just sold? Um, so yeah, I just think that will help. Well, I do think for this year, it's been difficult for a lot of agents because they've only known how to adjust upwards in terms of pricing. You look at, well, it's very easy to go in and meet a vendor and say, well, that one sold for 800 and we put it on at 775. So, well, realistically, if that got 800, we need to try 825 for yours and see what happens. That's a very easy conversation to have. When actually that's reversed and you've got stuff that sold for lower, then a lot of agents don't know how to have that conversation and are just going to go in and go, well, you know, let, let's still put it on for this because that's what the last one sold for, despite the fact rates at the time were 1%. Um, and we'll see what happens. And that's why, I mean, we were looking at the data earlier, weren't we, where some of the competitors in our local areas had sold less than 50% of their instructions, which is just mental. But then you look at the value at which their stock is coming on at and it's still valued at the same price and more, as, and, and more and in more, some yeah. instances. So it's hardly surprising that people are kind of saying, well, you know, this year's been tough. There hasn't been a lot of movement. Of course it's going to be tough. If you're, if you're valuing stuff for the wrong amount, you're not going to sell it. Which is what I've always said is I think, unfortunately, agents make the market look worse than it is because there is no need for all that stuff to have sat around. There's no need for 50% of those clients to have been sat there not selling downbeat. That's just purely fed by the agent giving them prices. But then what do you think? Why do you think that's going to change next year? Because at the moment, it's been based on an opinion, isn't it? You're working on 2022's pricing for a lot of people because that's what they can see on land registry or that's what they know they bought it for. You know, there's a lot of clients we've been speaking to who bought in 2021. You know, maybe they're making a shift, change of area, downsizing, whatever it might be. And I would say I'm probably, when I go in, I reckon I'm probably the only agent that goes in there and tries to have an enormous conversation and saying, you could be there or a little bit lesser, you know, whereas another agent will go in and tell them it's worth 5 10% more. It's the easy way around it, but next year you'll be able to say, well, if there's 10 houses have sold that are now all visible for you, there's your pricing. Um, and those 10 houses are going to be the agents that all sold them and therefore it become harder for the other agents who don't have them. Yeah, I'll give you a prime example. So a mate of mine who has just agreed an offer on his place, having listed in the summer, got five or six agents in. They, the valuations ranged from 725 to 900 oh you okay, mentioned on this a three, one of the podcasts oh did we talk about this yeah. in the last one in terms of on the three bedroom flat i think in the summer when he, right in the okay, last cool. season yeah. So, yeah so he's had right so he's had those valuations now we can actually look with retrospect and actually see what um what happened so he's the conversation i had with him at the time he he kind of said to me what the figures were he was like well obviously the guys down at 725 are ridiculous and maybe the ones up at 900 are a bit optimistic 
Anyway, cut a long story short, I said to him, you're not going to get more than 800. And in my mind, I was thinking it's a 750 flat, really, but I don't want to tell you that right now. Um, and also, it's not my area. So I had to sort of, rather than just kind of knowing it, I had to do a little bit of research. And the figure I came up with was 750, give or take. Um, but said, don't go on for more than 800. Anyway, he went on for 825 initially, got very little interest, dropped it down to 800, spent a couple of months at 800, dropped it to 750, agreed an asking price offer at 750 a couple of weeks ago. So actually, the the agent at 725, who he was kind of saying, you know, it's obviously ridiculous, they don't know what they're talking about, was the closest to the correct valuation. And, but this is the difficulty, you know, this is someone who asked for my honest opinion as well, uh, about what I think the pricing was. And yeah, okay. And you didn't have the heart to tell him. Well, no, because he's my mate, but I did tell him he wasn't getting over 800, despite the fact every other valuation that he had was 800 or more. Yeah. So the, the lowest do, valuation was 75 grand less than what all the others said. And arguably, had he have gone on at 750 at the beginning, would he have got 760, maybe 765, possibly garden got, flat in the summer, you know, brand right new to the market. Year. Maybe he would have done. We'll never know. But that's, that is the problem. When you've got agents who are going out and there's that much of a difference of opinion between pricing, it's no wonder nobody knows what the market's been there's, up to. Over instructions have also been down. We're not, you know, we aren't dealing with the same level of instruction. We had this discussion last... Was it last one or the one before? Just about instruction numbers. If instructions pick up, there's more on the market. Unfortunately, when there's less on the market, there's still the same amount of agents, right? Everyone still wants that business. So you get this kind of attitude of, well, we'll all go in 800 plus because we're all trying to compete and win that business. No one wants to say what it's worth because they know they're just going to lose out. So it kind of creates that feeling frenzy of agents just trying to get through the door and get it on and get it on, get it down. Let's worry about it later. Yeah. So actually you get, if there's more stock on, people then start to almost have to be more realistic because they know there's four other houses out there at the moment at that price and therefore I need to be competitive. Yeah, I think what some people have struggled with this year as well is where they've gone on for possibly that slightly higher price is over the course of the year, the market has come down somewhat as well. So when you're getting those price reductions, they're just chasing it and then it's actually worth less than when the next bracket is of which it's come down to. Whereas what you find sometimes in January is you might get some people who try it for a little bit more of an ambitious price. And if the year does start off well, some people will just catch that wave. Yep. Yeah. They'll get it and you could get that early one. So you could. There, I mean, look, January is always a reset, isn't it? We said that as well. You know, it's kind of a, you kind of get there, you have to start assessing how busy it's going to be. You said right after 2019, a pretty grim year, we turn up in 2020 and all of a sudden we were seeing all these viewings start to book. You just have to kind of change and catch it quite quickly. And that's where honestly good agents, if they've got the experience or they kind of got the, the whereabouts to be looking at it, will kind of catch on to it quicker than others and uh, we'll be able to advise clients more accurately um but yeah january is a, is a fresh start all around it always is which is kind of what's the exciting thing about it you kind of you almost complete your year and you know you're right you're back starts again clean slate yeah. that's kind of so would you list something for the same price first week of january is what you would have done first week of december yes well no I, to be fair i'd probably try a little bit more yeah that's what right i'm now, saying yeah, try... no, I, would. I would i think because december's a different time isn't it? Cause it's a quieting down yeah. so you're very aware of that but generally speaking, you you give people a pricing option anyway. You sort of say, look, we could try it. Here's the optimistic valuation. Here's the sort of get it done valuation. You know, which one, what's your, what do you want to do? Have you got somewhere agreed already and you need to get into that? You know, what's the situation? And depending on that, you might advise on which way to go. But in January, I would normally advise start the higher end first because you, you actually don't know. As long as the higher end is still realistic, there's a difference between telling someone their place is worth 100 grand more than it actually is Versus saying, look, we could try 775 yeah. or 800. Either one might work, but 
you know, if we if we were putting it on now, I'd probably say seven seven five because realistically eight hundred might be a bit optimistic. Actually, in that scenario where that property is not going to come to market till January, I'd try eight hundred. Yeah, I'd say the same. I'd say my the, normally the first kind of few months of valuing in a new year is is normally more of that route of the, you know, you don't really know as the market gets busier, therefore there could be more opportunity. And then I sort of then tend to change that off of the first quarter's out of the way. You've got a bit of an understanding of what you've achieved. Then all of a sudden, you know, as the year progresses, you just kind of, your, inf- your direction on valuations changes um, because you've got more back into it. So yeah, definitely give it a go. I think as well, if people are just aware of what you're saying, right? And you're not feeling and saying, we're going to get you the 800. It is a very open discussion that let's give it a go. Maybe you have to have price reduction and, you know, just get that done once and get it done kind of in a reasonable time and you'd, you'd be on your way anyway. And what, obviously, we kind of briefly touched on it there, we've got an election next year. What, how do you see that playing out? I wouldn't worry about it until we get there. Well, when when will it be? I mean, <laughs> sometimes the market completely, well, hither green, anyway, we are. I mean, in past time, it just shuts down, doesn't it? Everyone just sits down and waits for it to... Well, I usually find it's historic. It's usually like four weeks before, isn't it? And then four yeah, weeks four to six after, weeks, you get yeah. what's going to happen, Yeah, you know, and then what? how's it settling after that? But if it happens at the back end of the year, which... Is normally when it slows do. down anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it might not have to well, when is it? I thought it was middle of the year. They can call it when they want. I think yeah. so anyway. I actually think it will be busier. That prices might be in and around the same, but I think there'll be more instructions coming onto the 100%. Maybe that's just a bit optimistic. I think we're going to start next year. From 2024, oh, yeah. I think if you look yeah, at the 100%. figures of like 2024 to 2023, mm. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, like 2020 where the prices did jump, whatever it was, 7, 8, 9, 10%. I don't think necessarily that will happen, but I think there will be much more activity. Yes. I also think we can start agree. to come into that period now of a lot of people coming up to renewal time yeah. of their interest, right? Of their mortgages that bought in 2020, 2009, And all of a sudden, a slight shift of, okay, well, we could just sell, use the equity that we might have gained and purchase for similar value, but lower our mortgage, you know, and kind of, or downsize, change all of these kind of things. We've not, I've not really seen it this year. I've done a few valuations with people that have been thinking about it, you know, interest rate change or, or renewals coming up. But actually, I've not really dealt with a group of clients yet that's had that's had to move because of it. And I think that will come. Yeah, which is interesting because we did say that, I think, at the back end of 2022, um, that we was like, there might be more stuff coming on. And you've seen it with the landlords, but not so much like the private... Like you've seen a lot of landlords come onto the market. Yeah, sort of like I've had rates. so many conversations with landlords that their interest rate has changed this year. But yeah. I've not had that many vendors where their interest rates yet changed. Weirdly, mm. I, yeah, I don't know what that. That's just a yeah. coincidental. But we've seen so many landlords either have to sell or try and hike the rent. I think for a lot of residential purchases, it, it's a grin and bear it anyway. So mm. if, if you can afford to do it, you're not necessarily going to say start ringing around agents and kind of yeah so it's going to be a handful isn't it opposed to everyone whereas for landlords it's been every landlord's been like right i need to reassess it's the difference yes can be the difference can't it so it's been a much more sort of in your face conversation from that point of view because actually if you've moved you bought your home yeah it's not nice to have to pay the extra interest but if you can afford it and you ain't planning on moving then you can write it out for a couple of years just yeah absolutely i suppose also what's the other options right downsize Yeah. yeah stay or sell and some people might stick out for a couple of years and then think, right, do you know what? It's probably time to move. Or I just think more people will go through that period. It's the, the whole kind of most people fix for uh, for two or five years. A lot of people bought during the 2020, 2021 period in which that's going to start to all come to a head, isn't it? So Yeah, because they'll start making their plans before D-Day. Yeah. So if you're looking, oh, I've got a year left on our mortgage, probably want to think about moving now. To get an idea. But just, just from the point of view, you're not going to wait until renewal to move. 
you will more than likely yeah, try and do it ahead. I'm, I'm already looking at interest rates now. We're not we're due in May, but you kind of want to sort of get ahead of it and know what's coming your way and what your options are and what you're doing. Okay, yeah, cool. cry about it now. Yeah, much else you wanted to add on? What year? on to what's likely to be for next year? Yeah, no, not really. I just I, I think it will be fine. I think it. I, I think mean, it this year's a, not been brilliant, but we've had worse. Um, so, I also just don't think it's been as hard as what it, the people might have thought. I just generally no. don't. You know, it's just the only battle really has been, unfortunately, just the unrealistic agents. There hasn't been an issue with property that's come on that's price right. They've all sold. You know, and actually, transaction speed has sped up because you know there aren't so many going through. Therefore, the speed of which I think everyone is still in, as open and um, as happy to have the same conversations. You know, whether it's that's buying, you know, kind of the whole um, yeah. kind of process. Vendors are, are motivated to move. I do wonder if things will change slightly with the um, the new trading standards rules. Whether there'll be a benefit to that, as we mm. were speaking With about last week, yeah, just how that's yeah. going to work, because I think that's obviously all going to come into effect as well. Just wonder whether it's going to make a material difference to actually selling property altogether, um, having so much of the information up front. Or yeah, yeah. for leasehold flats and stuff. Particularly. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to sort yeah, of see. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, no, mm. have a review on that. I imagine keep an eye. Yeah, next year. So to kind of summarise, you think interest rates probably going to be more stable next year not, not i mean we don't know do we but we don't know but i don't I anticipate it's going to be like a probably more free-flowing year crazy hike there's more going to be more consumer confidence i think a bit more people need to move mate and a lot of people have put their moves on hold because of everything that's been going on but at some point push comes to shove so there's only so you know if you're getting married having children if you've got you know big increases in mortgage rates coming that you can't afford whatever it is there's we all need to move at some point and there's only so long generally that you can delay these things and without doubt the number of instructions this year has been low so those those figures have to increase because people who should have moved yeah, have don't need to so yeah i think i think it'll be i think it'll be much of the same in terms of the same rules apply i don't think there's going to be anything drastic but i think it'll be a much nicer year from the point of view of actually both sides in terms of I think there'll be more interest from buyers and I think there'll also be more vendors coming to market. So it's probably not a bad year to to be doing it. Uh, and then the general election, they can actually call it in December um, is the latest that they can call it. So they could have the election in January 2025. They just have to call it five years from the last one, which would be December the 17th, I think. Well, let's hope they don't do that because you never want to start a new year off on a general election, <laughs> yeah. just in case. I was going to say, maybe that would be at Christmas, it's size, I don't know, but yeah, you don't lot. want to hang over, do you? No, nah, you want to get that done and out of the way by the end of the year. So, so what if, just playing devil's advocate then, what if you, they decided to call the election in the middle of the year? Do you think that would then have a big effect on things? I don't think they will. But if they did... Uh, it's kind of a busier time, so I guess in some sense it might quieten down, but you're probably more likely to pick up quickly. The issue with an end of the year is that it quietens down anyway. So then it's like, where does that spurt come to move? You know, when you go through the middle of the year, you've always got the spring into summer, people want to move. You then you get that kind of push towards the end of the year, whether that's kind of your know, schooling and School whatever yeah. and leading into Christmas. So actually there's kind of different motivators that keep people going. Um, whereas at the end of the year and into the start of the year, there's little really that makes people need to do it. People just tend to want to sort of do it if it's happening around them. They're also unlikely to do it in the middle of a football tournament. So, Oh, the Euros. Mm. That's, well, hey, that's another thing that could quieten things down. We do know whenever there's a big sporting event, the market all can also quieten up. <laughs> We're off to Germany. Yes. I've heard. I've heard the rumours. I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, that should be nice. Um, the next thing, just a little uh, tip of the week or historical fact, I don't know if, if you guys got. 
I've got a slide look up one earlier. I've got a slight one. It's not really that interesting. I think it's only be interesting if you know the area. But Manor Park in the middle of Hiver Green. Do you know it used to be a pig farm until the 60s? Really? I thought you were going to say until I left. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a pig farm until the 60s. And then they had a big, uh, and then they had a big renovation of it in 2007, which is then what it became now. What, which the is whole road? Dog walk. No, Manor Park, the park. Oh, right, right, right. Not the whole oh, road. Yeah, pig, yeah, pig market gonna... up and down. People used to lure <laughs> their pigs. Well, there was a biscuit factory, wasn't there? Yeah. That's now. Yeah. She was only mute. Pig farm. I know, I'm mad that. That is mad. Yeah, I didn't know that, to be fair. Mm. No. There you go. Interesting fact, yeah. Well, I found out the oldest public swimming pool is uh, Dulwich Baths. What, in England? London? London. London. Yeah, not not England. London. Is it still open? 25th of June, 1891. Yeah, the oldest before was on Dartmouth Road. Forest Hill swimming pools. Really? I believe that's now shut down. No, we still got Forest Hill Pools. They renovated it. Oh, right. It's not the same pools that it once was, though. Right. It was cool that the original. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah, but it's a very modern building. Yeah, must there. be a lot of swimmers around uh, southeast London. Um, anyway, next thing: five. Uh, as always, look at the five things. Um, and the five things we're going to look at this week are five biggest mistakes that your agent could make. Uh, I'll kick it off. I've got one. Uh, I would say the biggest mistake that any estate agent can make, more so on a viewing, not so much on the valuation. But is this something for vendors to look out for? Is this, are you advising agents? Even, well, just a vendor could look out for it. A buyer yeah, okay, could yeah. look out for it. Maybe Mainly more vendors. I mean, ultimately it's going to be the, yeah. the vendor who's selling who wants a buyer, isn't it? I think just not knowing anything about anything. Well, that sounds quite generic, but <laughs> you go and start, yeah. it? not knowing anything about anything, <laughs> yeah. not, and not even just property. No, but within like the what? So you go and do a viewing. I mean, I when I was looking, it was the most frustrating thing that I'd ever experienced. And don't get me wrong, I was looking in like 2020 when it was super busy. But still, you know, people should be allowed to know things. And you go and do a viewing, or you know, you get people even now who go and do a viewing, and they say to us quite often, the stuff that you guys know is so informative. Like, thank you so much. When you go and do other viewings or people go and do other viewings and they say, how long's left on the lease? I don't know. Oh, yeah. do, do you know how long they've lived here? Oh, I'm not sure. I'll try and find out. Do you know who the neighbours are? Nah. And you kind of walk out and you're like, well, I don't actually know anything about that property. Mm. Whereas I think if you know, I generally find that people ask in, most of the time four questions, which is how long have they lived here? Where are they moving to? How old's the boiler? I don't know why everyone always asks that. Yeah. yeah. And who are the neighbours? And if you know those four questions, I personally think people walk away and it's more, that viewing is more of an experience and they've had more of a story told of it. So when they go away, they go, oh, you know, that's the one where, you know, Steve and Tom live next door and they've lived there for six years and they're upsizing because they want to get their I also think if you, kids if you, into schools. Whereas if you don't know that, if you ask just, those questions, you tend to get more questions and it becomes more of a conversation. And yeah. And then you yeah, start buy to buy into it more. We had yeah, the client, funny enough, we were um, taking a flat on from another agent. They'd had it for four or five months and the vendor was sort of looking to move over to us. And it's a flat where it has a garden out the back that has a line down it on the lease, but it's just an open plot at the moment. So you have to know which side's which. And we had a client who came into our office who was just looking at the area and they were saying, oh, we've seen a flat. And so I've seen this one bed down there. And I said, like, oh, I, I know what the flat is. And they said, yeah, I don't know. It's funny one, isn't it? We went into the garden, there's no fence. And the agent didn't know what the deal with the garden was. She was like, do you know? Thinking... I do here, but do I give you the information? The agent, in fact, the agent, but I thought, how could you not know the simplest thing? There's a garden. You at least know what half's private, or if it's private, it yeah, makes a pretty I mean, big that difference. That person could have bought it. Yeah, if they, I mean that's more of a big thing. That's not like who are the neighbours. That's like a crucial part. A crucial of thing. Of what you're going to walk out and go, I'm not going to buy that. 
Yeah, well, I do yeah. think knowing something about something is a good start. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing about nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Cheeky Pollard would say. Uh, did you either of you have a yeah. mistake? Never trust an agent who wears lace-up shoes. <laughs> Alex has got laces on. <laughs> I don't trust him then. You've got some dodgy zips on the side of your boots. <laughs> yeah. <saying. laughs> That's right. Any context as to... Yeah. Constantly having to take our shoes on and off whenever we do valuations. So, yeah. I've, I've always kind of said you can't sure. trust an agent who wears lace. I mean, you don't do that many viewings I would days, say so you're you, in a different class. If you asked a, uh, an individual about an agent, the person who turns up in loafers, I think people would have more of an opinion of. You know, the old <laughs> tassel loafers. <laughs> I've got that. <them. laughs> Slip-ons. Easy on, easy off. Practical. Yeah, I do agree. But then you get told once to take everything off other than your lace-up shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could have been a lifesaver. Yeah, sorry about that, man. Um, Well, the reason Um, I had lace-up shoes, so I didn't have to take my shoes off. It was too difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I got dirty carpets. Yeah, have you got any slip-ons? My one would be more geared towards agents themselves and more about mistakes that you can make along the process. And I think that is... um, Oh, I have to be pretty right. Make sure I'm saying the right. Right, made myself some notes here. I had a couple of points to make. One of them was, um, if you, as being an agent, not having the ability to have the difficult conversation between the buyers and sellers. You know, a lot of the time you'll get conversations that will pop up, and not being able to handle those, whether that's a price reduction, whether that is someone wants to discuss an issue with the property. A lot of the time, a buyer wants something, and the vendor doesn't want to give it to them. That might be price. It could be. We've got one right now, which do you know they want to exchange Hellbender getting it done for Christmas. Buyer pops up last minute, wants electrical survey. You know, and the vendors scream, don't want it, don't want it. And you not being able to find a balance and sort of make both sides understand uh, why something might be needed, what the I don't know, the downsides to that are, and actually just trying to find a balance to work through it. Um, because I think a lot in those a lot of those situations, sales can fall apart. People get uh, annoyed at the other person, thinking it's you know it's kind of gone in the wrong direction. And we see people asking for price reductions. People just no, put the profit back on the market. You know, sales lost, and for what? You know, that vendor's lost a purchaser, the buyer's lost a house they could be purchasing, agents lost all that time and effort. And actually, if you're able to strike a balance between people and have difficult conversations and have them as early as possible when they come up, I think people find the whole process can be had a lot smoother and more rewarding for everyone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would say one other one that is just like a massive thing, and I know we cover it a lot, and you know, it's kind of a bit of a niche for us as our marketing, but. When you see, you know, your somebody's property online and the photos are just awful, I just think that is just like the biggest howler you can make. Certainly at the moment, when it's a quieter market and you're not getting as many viewings, you, know, you rely heavily on those clicks and, you know, through the traffic on right moves, Oopla. Fair enough, we know properties and we know what we're looking at, so we could see it and click it, and you know, we're probably just looking more at like the floor plan, certain other aspects. But if you're a first-time buyer, it just looks dark, grey, horrible. You just flick through it. They did it when I sold my flat, didn't they? I had to get you to come yeah, did, didn't it? Yeah. and redo the photos. They listed it without even telling me. Just put it on. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah, that's a time and effort from the vendor side, isn't it? And just being more aware of it. There's a couple few agents around us where they, they, I think you have to pay extra for better pictures, which is just balmy in itself. But um, that's, yeah, I think that's an obvious one. Isn't it? I think most people be aware of that. The, on the other, my other point, also with that kind of dealing with things, just getting difficult conversation out of the way as early as possible rather than people sometimes try to forget them. We've all done it, you know, on a viewing, but maybe someone's asked whether the washing machine staying as part of the sale. Yes. You know, I did it. You know, someone asked, said the fridge was staying. It soon came up. The fridge wasn't right. But rather than just trying to leave it, just deal with it. You know, just be honest to the owner. You've made a mistake. I've said something wrong. And just, again, the quicker you deal with those things, the easier it is to kind of overcome it rather than let it fester and it's still sat there at the end of the sale. that's just human. I don't think that's got 
to do with an estate agent. I think that's just human nature. People like putting but horrible think, things off, don't they? But that's what I mean in the sense if you are going to be an agent, you need to sort of yeah, deal, with, front it, of it, deal with yeah. it as quick as possible. We'd say to all our staff, the moment someone comes, let's just deal with this now. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, because the longer you leave it, the worse it is. Yeah, the more it festers. And a bigger issue can then come of it because people are going to have Massive. People anything. think things disappear. And unfortunately, when someone's buying a house, issues don't tend to disappear because it's going to be the biggest purchase. People remember uh, and people want those things dealt with. Sure. Um, quickly, listen to question and then we'll wrap it up with a slightly different quiz this week, which we'll see how that one go- goes down. Um, listen to question. Somebody's emailed in said... I accepted an offer on my house eight weeks ago and things are progressing well. However, somebody who previously viewed it is now under offer, has now offered 10K more as their flat has now gone under offer. Any advice on what I should do? I'd stick with you, bias. Yeah, I was going to say that comes down to it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Saying to someone just to turn down the money. But I think sometimes you, it's greed, unfortunately, very rarely brings good, good karma. I'm a big believer in karma. And I think if you've agreed something with someone and you are part of the way through that process, sticking with that individual, you may remind that individual that had another offers come in, you've not gone for it, just to let them know that actually there's been a bit of goodwill and therefore maybe small wishes in surveys don't don't need to be spoken of and we can move forward with it. But yeah, I mean, look, I think that comes down to ages. We don't promote gazumping that kind of process. We don't, um, wouldn't push people in those directions. I think it's bad, bad karma. Bad juju. <laughs> you, you agree? Yeah, I'd also say as well, you know, bird in the hand. You, if you're like eight, what did they say? Eight weeks down the road, yeah, probably getting pretty near to. You also don't ending know it. the difficulty in the person that sells. Yeah, exactly. And if I mean, fair enough, that is a slightly different one as to where they've said, you know, somebody has now gone under offer, which you could see more of at the moment. It's not that kind of somebody just accepted it's gone under offer and now they're trying to gazump it. It's it's the same same precedent before. I don't get it so much these days, but you know, in markets where you get multiple offers and people always want to just gravitate towards the biggest figure. You know, lots of time we'll have an honest conversation with an owner and sort of say, look, you know, appreciate this is the bigger number, but look at the position of each individual buyer. And the amount of clients I've had that have just taken the biggest figure, irrespective of the fact that that person's position is, you know, night and day different from someone else, and then have had issues as they've gone along the line. And you sit there thinking, told you, you know, you kind of could see that coming from a mile off. Um, so, yeah, don't just get too, don't get too greedy. I'd say that. Yeah, and um, also put yourself exactly in the opposing position. Yeah, put the buyers you know, out on. Right. You know, if you were that person on your onward purchase, assume, I don't know whether they've got one or not, but if they have got an onward purchase and it was their vendor who'd had an offer 10 grand more, how would they feel about it if the vendor then went for the other offer eight weeks down the line? You know, there's, it's not a right or wrong. It's, as Alex said, it's a question of ethics and karma. Moral compass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I wouldn't do it, but. What do you do, Jack? Other people do. I wouldn't say them. I'd like to stay with the buyer. Yeah. To be fair, I think we're all in agreement on that one. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's difficult, isn't it? You, just, you know, it's, it's easy telling someone not to take an extra ten thousand pounds, and it is being the person not taking. Yeah, of course, and it is harder. And you think that you know that ten grand then gets covers your fees this done that done. Yeah. But, but what if it falls through then, and then it's all worth the nothing? Said it's progressing well. And, yeah, and, you know, two months in or whatever it is. I think it's a bit different if it's two months in and actually nothing's been done. Yeah. Then you're having a slightly different conversation. I'd agree. Yeah, they've they've openly said that actually everything's progressing well. So why why rock the, the boat? Jinx. Jinx. Great go into that one again from season mm. one. Jinx. Um, got a new quiz this week. I'll be <laughs> honest, it's sometimes a struggle to come up with that many property trivia questions, and certainly stuff that are like local around here. It so. should have been more Christmas based this week. 
I was going to do it on a Christmas quiz, but we have a Christmas quiz in our office party this week, so... Could be I Christmas don't think, quiz overload. Well, I also don't think we're going to be on the same teams for that. So, oh, you don't want to try to bolster. Oh, you don't, you don't want to give you any answers. You might like a play to win. Uh, so, some of these you're not going to get. You might. I mean, you might not get any of them. I have tested them. Isn't that how quizzes work, Jack? I have tested them on a few people in the office, and they've got them. Some of them not so much, but so I've tried to do it as like a cryptic clue. Okay. Yeah. So you get a little. So it could be a word. It's not just going to be anything random, like a random country. It's going to be property-based, area-based, what's inside a property, you know, around here, southeast London, et cetera, yeah, yeah. et cetera. So you've got the idea. I think we get the gist. Just right. So <laughs> they might get progressively harder, but we'll see how this one goes. So again, if you want to shout it out first, I don't know how quickly. Do we get buzzers? We do need buzzers for, uh, for the new year. Uh, so first one, first place, Homer Simpson's catchphrase. Dough. Dough. <laughs> Dough. So it's a word. That, them clues make a word. So first place, Homer Simpson's catchphrase. Winner though. Window. Win oh, <laughs> there you oh, go. Yeah, okay. Okay. You get the uh, idea, yeah, yeah? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Jeez. Uh, number two. <laughs> A South London term for good, hot drink. Bad tea. Tea is one of them. Yeah, tea's the second bit. Oh, okay. What did I? Seti. We should <laughs> laugh. I don't know what I got to do good though. Sick. Yeah. That's Proper. Property. Property. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You might get this one. I don't That's know. Pretty good. You, I made these up my uh, myself. Number three, Kate and William's second son. Yeah, a farce. And what? Oh, I don't know about that one. James? No, I can't think. Okay, well, their son, their second son's name is Louis. Oh, okay. And then the next one, a farce. Would have been a farce, like a farcical, like a night. Yeah. God, what a nightmare. Did you see how they played that football game at the weekend? It was a farce. No, you're not going to get it. No. A sham. Lewisham. <laughs> Lewisham. <laughs> uh, number four. I'll try and get through these a bit quicker, right? Hello. Point. Colour of grass. Hit the green. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, good. Um, oh, we won one. Yeah, he got it. Oh, you got window. Yeah. Uh, vast grounds. James Bond's job. Vast grounds. Fields by. Field. State agent. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Um, I think we're running out of them now. Not got many left. Uh, a woodland Did air. you write all these? Yeah. These are bloody good. Thanks, mate. I don't know if you They are really <laughs> what good. What do you mean? Where are you going to look that up to find <laughs> them? You know, know. Are, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. these are obscure, but they're good. <laughs> House pet brand of car. Catford. Dog, uh, Dogford. <laughs> Dogford Bridge Station, yeah? Should we all meet there? This is a good one. Have we done this one yet? No. Alex Morgan got this one. I didn't think anyone would. Uh... A Kardashian leg joint 
pectorials. Kimney tit. I don't know. <laughs> Very nearly. Kimney boob. It's right there. Chimney breast. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Chim. Yeah, well, I was running that. That's how you know I did it myself. <laughs> yeah. um, a woodland area, rising ground. Forest Hill. Yeah. And then that is the end. I did have one more, which you never get. It was cheering house, kids' lair, contagious illness, say, finger say jewelry. Say it again. Cheering noise. Cheering noise. Yeah. Yeah. Kids' lair. Kids' lair. Yeah. L A I R. You know, like, yeah, a, yeah. whatever. When they build something with, like, the yeah. pillows. Contagious illness, finger jewelry. You never get it's it. Too long. Yeah. Well, that was the problem. It was woo, cheering noise. Kids' lair, den. Uh, contagious illness, flu. Finger jewelry, ring. Woo, den, flooring. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote that one I thought that's the end of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wooden <laughs> not bad though got yeah, a couple yeah. of them didn't you it's good. Nice. I have to try and work on some more for us uh... you want to do submissions to the Times crossword <laughs> yeah, <mate. that's>, uh... <laughs> yeah, the next one mate to be fair it's... listen to Radio X and the lady on that Pippa she's got like a she could craptic book of clues doesn't she and they do some of them with like movie stars and that they're pretty good and if anyone's that. got me for Secret Santa I'll have that book, please. Well, Instead of some other old you know mine is because I asked you. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm still enjoying <laughs> yeah, it. flooring. <laughs> but yeah, well, listen, that okay. was, uh, I think that'll be us until the new year now. It's obviously Christmas a week today. So thanks very much, guys. Have a good Christmas yeah, and Merry new Christmas. year to Merry Christmas. all the listeners. And, uh, See you in the new year. And we'll pick it up in the new year. Bye.